What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Jeremy, if you could put that first picture up, please. Um, this uh, is a book, by the way, called Traced. Um, I haven't read it, but I read the article. I've also watched some videos. Um, there, there's a uh, gentleman uh, that his name is uh, Jensen. He's a PhD in cell developmental cell developmental biology from Harvard University. He's a Christian, and he wrote this book, Traced. And what he's done is he's taken DNA research, and it's all in a computer, and uh, they've traced back our descendants all the way to Noah and his kids. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Once again, the Bible is proven true. That science is finally catching up to God's Word. And so it's an amazing discovery uh, that just alludes to the fact that the book that we hold in our hand can be trusted. The book that we hold in our hand is proven. The book that we hold in our hand can, 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 can come to us so that we, we begin to rearrange our lives around what is written. Jesus warned the Pharisees in John chapter 8. He says, the reason why my word finds no part in you is because you don't belong to me. You don't belong to me. You can't receive my words. Jesus also warns in Matthew chapter 7, those who hear my words and do them, I liken them to somebody who builds their house on a rock. When the wind and the rain comes, their house is going to stand because they heard my word and they did my word. But, but he talks about a foolish person who hears God's word but doesn't do them. And he says when the wind and rains come on that house, that house is going to fall because they did not receive my words. And so today, we're going to be talking about fasting. What does the Bible say to us about fasting? Should Christians fast? Do we have to fast? Uh, And also, practically, how do we fast? We're going to be talking about all of that. This Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a worship service here where we're going to sing about 10 songs to Jesus, and we are going to start our 21-day church-wide fast Wednesday night, 7 p.m. here. You're welcome to come, where we are going to uh, dedicate this fast to the Lord. Now, this is a corporate fast that we're asking the church to take part in. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. It's challenge by choice. But what we want to do is we want to see what God's Word says about fasting. And so that's why I have you in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let's go ahead and read it. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So what's interesting to note, it's going to be one of my applications, by the way, at the end, one of the applications is called break away. We see Jesus breaking away. He's getting alone 
in the wilderness, breaking away from society, breaking away from everything to be alone with God. Look at the scripture here. It says he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, and also he was full of the Spirit. What did that lead him to do? It led him to what? Fast. Break away and fast. He did this for 40 days, verse 2. During that time, he was being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when those days were ended, he was hungry. So he's spirit-led, full of the spirit, and it leads him to fast. Now, I believe every Christian should fast. Every Christian. This should be a discipline part of your life. It should be something that you should do. That should be something that I should do. Not just when we do a 21-day fast as a church, even though, hey, this is a good time to do it, but also throughout the year. Why? Well, I don't know if you bought the Powerball, but I'm fasting that I win the power. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. If you do, tithe, okay? I'm just kidding. There's a box in the back. Um, some people fast because, Jeremy, if you could throw that picture up, and this is, what I, this is my prayer for our church in the 21 days. When you seek me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Fasting is a way that says to the Lord, food doesn't satisfy, this doesn't satisfy, the world doesn't satisfy, I want you, God, I want you, God, I want you, God. And it is a place where we want to fall more in love with Jesus. And when we fall more in love with Jesus, man, the things that used to bother us, the things that used to eat at us, the things that used to worry us, man, they begin to fade away because our one consuming passion, our one consuming desire becomes Jesus. Things just kind of fall to the side. Some of you may be in a rut spiritually that, man, you're kind of stuck and sometimes when we fast, it can be like CPR, if you will. Mouth to mouth from Jesus. Revive me again, God. The Psalms talk about this. Oh, my soul is so overwhelmed within me. And David's crying out and fasting sometimes gets you out of that. And sometimes there is directional things that we need from God. Where we don't know what to do, man, that's a good time to fast. I shared with the earlier uh, service that when my wife and I, uh, bef before I asked my wife out, I spent time fasting before I even approached her because I wanted, I wanted to know, okay, God, is this the one? And then when I asked her out and she said yes, the first thing that we did was we said, hey, we're, we're going to fast for seven days, and we're going to put this relationship on the altar because, like Abraham putting his son on the altar, Lord, if this isn't you, please stop it, because I know I can be overwhelmed with emotions, with feelings, 
with desires, with passions, and fasting can separate those things. And we felt like God confirmed for us, okay, yes, this is what he wants. Some of us are in addictions as well. Fasting helped me overcome my pornography addiction. Fasting helped me. Helped kind of purify my heart and change my heart so that it was aligned with what God wants and not what I want. And there was a sincerity in me as a young single man that this secret sin that I, I kept struggling with and kept dealing with, I finally got to the place where, man, if I, if I do this again, man, I'm not going to eat for seven days. If I do this again, I'm not going to, right? Think about this for a second. God is a good God. He's a father. But imagine him seeing one of his kids so serious about walking in purity that they're going to put down food for a week or two so that, that they could overcome. Now, fasting's not a guarantee magic pill that if you do this, this will happen. Be very careful of that. God doesn't have to do anything. He's going to do what he wants when he wants it. But fasting does grab the hem of our Lord. As far as direction for me, I was serving here at Urban Youth Impact for about 12 years as a youth worker and my boss the founder bill hobbs came to me and he said chris i want you to plant a church and i and i said bill i'm not a i i can't do that i'm not a pastor i i no he's like no i i i am your boss and i'm telling you you will submit to my authority he didn't say it like that he was nicer it was a nicer way to say you will submit to my authority. But I went before the Lord and I fasted for 14 days of just water because I felt like in my heart I did not have a shepherd's heart. I didn't have a shepherd's heart. God, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm just not. And, and, and how many of us today say things like that to the Lord? I can't do this. I'm not good enough in this area. I don't have this gift. And, and we, begin, we begin to look at ourselves and we disqualify ourselves rather than what other people are seeing. Oh, man, you really have a gift. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, have you ever thought, oh, no, I just couldn't. That's just not. Guys, that's like a. That is like an epidemic in the church. We, we come every sun, you know, Sunday and, and, and we hear the word and we hear, the, right, right, right. And then we get just, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, you, you need to. You need to. And what fasting does is it gets, it gets our eyes off ourself. And it moves us to a place where we're fixed on God. 
at the end of that 14-day fast, I had a, a meeting with a gentleman, and the meeting ended, and he, and he went to his car, and then I'm sitting in the hallway, and he comes back in from outside, and he says to me, he says, Chris, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that you have a shepherd's heart. And I started crying because I knew that was the Lord. That was the Lord that did that. That, that guy didn't, no, no, that, that guy just didn't make that up. Hey, you have a shepherd's heart. And listen, that thing resounded in me. And all of a sudden, what do you think happened to my faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And I received that and said, okay, God, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. Now, a few days later, I was like, Lord, you could have done that on day two. <laughs> he always waits till the Egyptians are breathing down your throat to open up the Red Sea. Not always, but a lot. And so I want you to jot down, what is it, God, that you want me to fast for? What is it, God, that I may need an answer what is there a direction? Has my, my love grown cold because of things? Is there tension with family members or a kid or your marriage just isn't where it should be that you begin to say, okay, Lord, what is it that I can fast for? What are you wanting me to fast for during this 21-day corporate fast? So again... If you're a Christian, fasting should be a discipline in your life, part of your routine, part of your life. Some of you are like, Chris, why, why, why would you say that? Well, I've already given you the first reason why. Because Jesus did it. It's probably a good, uh, uh, probably a, <laughs> a good thing that we look at things Jesus did as Christians and say, okay, I probably should do that. Yeah. I want you to go down to verse 13 of Luke chapter 4. It says, When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I want you to highlight power of the Spirit, please. Why? Because Jesus was full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. But then after the temptations happened, all of a sudden we see him in the power of the Spirit. Some of us don't walk in the power of the Spirit because we continue to give in to temptations. And the temptations that come your way that are constant... They grade at your authority. They grade at your power. They grieve the Holy Spirit. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. After my God, God set me free from my, my secret porn addiction, I was able to maintain that power of the spirit it's not me because if god takes his hand off me i'm going to go right to it why because i'm like a dog returning to vomit i'll go right back to it so god i need your power to keep me i am weak but when i'm weak you are what strong and he's keeping me he's keeping me 
So, if you're taking note, why should I fast? Number one, Jesus did it. It's a good policy. Number two, Jesus expects us to fast. He expects us to fast. So, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, please. Verse 16. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, and you're going to see that Jesus expects us to fast. This is in context where uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking on the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, uh, when you give, hey, do it secretly. When you pray, do it secretly. When you fast, do it secretly, right? And so he ends here, and by the way, those three things are, are things that Christians should do. Christianity is not a religion of the do-nots. It's a religion of the do's, where we give, we pray, we fast, give, pray, fast, give, pray, fast. That is a three-chord strand, by the way, of discipleship that is not going to leave you broken. You'll become strong in the Lord if these things become your J-O-B, if you will part of your discipleship. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, I want you to highlight that. He didn't say when you pray about fasting. When you think about it, he said when you fast. It's an expectation. Jesus, point number two, Jesus expects us to fast. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. What we don't want to do during this 21-day corporate fast is tell anybody that we're fasting. We don't want to give leads. Oh, man, I'm so hungry. Because somebody could be fasting Facebook, social media, and maybe that's the fast God's called you to. Some people may be doing just vegetables, like a Daniel fast. Some people may be doing just water. Just water. We don't know, and we don't need to know. It's between you and the Lord. What is he leading you to do? And we don't need to share. We don't need to Jesus is alluding to this. When you fast, anoint your head, verse 17. Again, highlight when you fast. It's not an option for the Christian. It's an expectation from Jesus. Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret, He will reward you. So it's a secret thing. And some of you are like, well, Chris, you just told us about a couple times when you fasted. Yeah, I know. This is the weird thing about my job. Please understand the motive of my heart is not to be like, oh, if I'm I'm fasting, I'm this, I'm that. No, the, the, the motive is to encourage you to fast. And lose my reward. Listen, Jesus is my reward. He's my reward. You guys are my reward. 
You guys are a reward, right? Paul says, my joy and my crown, and speaking to Thessalonica, he says, you became so dear to us that we not only shared the gospel, but, your, but our own lives as well, because you have become so very dear to us, like a mother nursing her child. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 7 through 11, right? Paul was like, I love you guys. So he's sharing, listen, Man, I want you guys to walk in the gifts and the calling that God has for you to do the thing that God's created you to do that nobody else can do. I've said this before, Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship. The Greek word is poema, poema. It's, it's where we get the word poem, masterpiece, work of art. You are God's work of art. Say, I am God's work of art. Ephesians 2.10. You're created in Christ Jesus, to do good works that he's prepared for you in advance that you should walk in them. Many of us should walk in them, but many of us don't walk in them. It's already planned out. We could have the next Billy Graham in this room. We could have the next carpenter in this room that's going to begin to create things that can change society. You have no idea with what God has made you to do. But some of us are just listening to voices that we heard growing up, listening to the culture around us, and listen, what about this? Hey, Dad, according to Ephesians 2.10, you've already got my life planned out. I, wa I want to know what that is. I want to know what it is. Some of us don't know our gifts yet. Ephesians chapter 4, which is two chapters after Ephesians 2, right? So it says that God he ascended, then descended, and he gave gifts to men. First, he gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and shepherds to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Everybody in here has one or more of those gifts, if you're a Christian. You know what your gift is. And maybe, maybe, as we fast and pray together, God will illuminate that as well. Let's go to... Luke chapter 5, please. Again, let's keep the fast secret to what you are doing or what you're called to do. Nobody needs to know except for you. But again, this is a corporate fast. We're going to read in Acts chapter 13 and 14 uh, that the disciples were fasting, so people knew that they were fasting. How did they know they were fasting? Because Luke wrote, he wrote about the fact that they were fasting. He wasn't with them. He had heard about it, right? So there's, the, there's this aspect where you always can't keep everything secret. If I fat, if fast with my family, right? My kids know uh, dad loves food. He's not at the table. He must be fasting. All right, let's go. Luke uh, 5, 30, 33 through 34. I'm still trying to drive this point home. Jesus expects us as a Christian to fast. Luke chapter 5, verse 33, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast, and they fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, 
Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Highlight that, please. It doesn't say they might fast. It doesn't say they may fast. It says they will fast. Again, fasting is an expectation from Jesus for his disciples. Jesus was taken away while he was here on earth and he walked with his disciples. They didn't fast at all. In fact, there was a lot of partying going on, right? He's turning water into wine. I mean, this is good stuff. But when he left, they began to fast, which brings me to point number three. We see fasting as a practice of the early church. Point number three, fasting was a practice of the early church. Let's go to Acts chapter 13, please. Acts chapter 13, um, verse 1. Acts 13, verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, and it goes through this list of people. I want you to go to verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and what? Fasting. So if you could highlight fasting there. So now we see the example of the early church. They're fasting. And while they're fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. So here God moves according to this fasting and worshiping and says, wow, the apostle Paul and Barnabas, these two guys, I've got a calling on their life. What if, what if, what if? So listen, Delita came up to me at the end of service. And if those of you don't know Delita, she was at the first service. She's awesome. But she's, she's like, I, I want to I know what, what's God calling me to, right? As, and, and so, guys, let's just bow right now. Father, we should lift up Delita. We thank you for her, God. We love her, God, and you love her. Would you bring revelation, Lord? She wants to serve you. She wants to follow you. Would you bring revelation to her life, to her family, God, of what you have called them to do? Thank you, God, for Delita. We pray for just an open heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you look at Barnabas, when you look at Saul, when you look at Delita, God's no respecter of persons. There is a unique calling on your life. Let's go to Acts 14.21, please. Just one page over. So we can drive the point home here that this was a practice of the early church. So we want to be doctrinally aligned with what the early church was doing so it becomes part of our practice. Jesus fasted. He expects us to fast, and it was a practice of the early church. Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. 
And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and what? There you go. Highlight that, please. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the decision of who should be an elder, of who should be a deacon, of who should be on this team, on who should be on that team. We want to fast and we want to seek God's face because, God, we want to get the right person in the right place. Now, I'm being convicted right now. How many times? How many times? Pastor Dave, Bobby, Kevin, guys, Actually, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> this is why we need the word. God, forgive us. We've put people in places without seeking your face, Lord. And we wonder why. The bus don't work. We got the wrong people on the bus. And so, God, help us. In Jesus' name. Hey, I can go home now. I'm just kidding. That was my word. I didn't get it the last service because I'm thick. God had to make me do, do, do two sermons. All right. So, so, so we see the early church, and, and, and here's, here's point number four. We see corporate fasting in the, in the Old Testament as well, and I want you to turn to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. I would encourage you that during this 21 days of fasting that you keep this prayer before you, um, that you kind of keep it um, in front of us as a church. Joel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, yet even now, Joel chapter 2, verse 12, yet even now declares the Lord. So the Lord is speaking here. Return to me with all your heart. With what? Fasting. Again, this verse that's up here, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is an aspect when we put aside food with fasting that God is saying this shows that you're seeking me with your whole heart. With weeping and with mourning. Joel chapter 2, verse 13. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. And He relents over disaster. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children's, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Now, no, no, no. You know, you know what I mean? Like, that's honeymoon stuff right there. No, this is serious. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, 
Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Does it make you cry? When people can look at your life and make a statement like, they're Christians, but what difference does that make in their life? They're Christians, but what difference does that make in their kids? Well, they're Christians, but, but they work just like everybody else. They're bad-mouthing their boss just like, they're complaining just like, they're just like, just like, where is their God? Is there even a weeping that people can say, where is their God? God, we belong to you. May it not be said of us that people are pointing and say, where is their God? Where is their God? Where is their God? And not only that, look, you see that there is weeping and there's mourning. Sometimes we can get in such a rut. Sometimes we can get so apathetic and complacent that, 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 that we don't weep. We don't mourn. How do I know that? Because I've been there, guys. I've been there where our love has grown cold. I want God's name to be glorified. I want the name of Jesus to be lifted up and exalted. Jesus said when, when we lift him up, he'll draw all men to himself. Oh God, am I, am, I, am I not lifting you up enough? Am I lifting myself up way too much? Oh God, may you increase so that I decrease. Be glorified, God. And we begin to, to seek God's face. We begin to press in. We begin to cry out. Oh God, release the cries. Release the groan. Romans chapter 8, right? It says the Holy Spirit groans. He intercedes. Because we don't know what to pray. Let's look at God's response in Joel 2, 18. It says the Lord became jealous for his land. Like God cares about his people. Those are my kids there. I'm, I'm tired of seeing them like that. It reminds me of in Judges where Gideon, who is the smallest of his clan, he was, he was preparing food and hiding his food because the Midianites were coming in, stealing the food, and, and they were just being... Uh, uh, targeted and oppressed by, 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 by these, these, these mean neighbors, right? They're coming in, and, and God shows up to Gideon, and he says, hey, mighty man of valor. He's like, who, me? I'm the smallest. Hey, mighty man of valor. I think God got tired. He got jealous for his land. His love moved him, just like in Egypt for 400 years. I've heard the cries of my people, and I'm sending you, Moses. Oh, wait, I don't want to go. I stutter. Can't you send somebody else? I want you to put by Joel 2, 18 and 19, Isaiah 58, if you're taking note. I don't have time to go there. But Isaiah 58 talks about the children of Israel. They're fasting 
but they were doing it as a religious ritual. Oh God, save us from religious ritual. Save us from going through the motions. We just don't want to do this because it's January. And in Isaiah 58, they were pointing the finger. They were abusing their workers. They were neglecting the poor. And God's like, this is not the fast that I want. And the, the basic premises of Isaiah 58 is that, okay, God, I just don't want to do this out of religious ritual, but I really, really want you to change me so that I become like you in the world. I want us to look at Daniel now. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, please. So we see Old and New Testaments, right? Corporate fasts. Daniel chapter 1. I was talking with Pastor Stephen Hamilton after the service, and he reminded me that these young men here, they were teenagers, scholars believe. So you're never too young to go on a Daniel fast. Verse 12. The context here is that they were taken captive into another land, and they were being forced to eat certain foods that Daniel and his homies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not want to eat. And again, they were teenagers making this decision. And Daniel says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner, and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. Now, that Hebrew fatter doesn't mean fatter. It means strong in flesh, okay? Uh, than all the youths who ate at the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And so the fasting that happened, this Daniel fast, it, it changed them physically so they were performing and looking better than those around them. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 9, please. Why are we in Daniel? Here's, here's one reason why we're in Daniel. In the Bible, there's nothing negative that's said about Daniel. Pretty much every book has people like you and me that have a lot of issues in the Bible. But Daniel's a person who fasted a lot, who prayed a lot, who God used mightily because I believe his heart was right before the Lord. And one of the ways we can keep our heart right before the Lord is by fasting. And so Daniel 9, verse 3, it says, Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting. 
I like fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I made confession saying, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. So David, or excuse me, Daniel is confessing the sins of himself, but also the people of Israel. They were in captivity because they rebelled against the commands of God. And so he was fasting not only for himself, but for his community. And I want to encourage you during this fast, if you take part, it's not just about you. It's also about those around you. There's going to be ministries launched out of here. And not that here, Bow Down Church is special, but God launches ministries out of every church because it is go, 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 go. It is equipping the saints for the work of ministry. It's a job of the church. And so we don't know what God is going to do. Look how God responded to Daniel. Let's go down to uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. It says this, and while I was speaking and and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me swift in flight at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, "Oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. So Daniel's fasting, he's asking for revelation, the angel comes, gives him insight and understanding as an answer to his prayer and fasting. Verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. So right away, the word went to, to, to God, God heard, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. You might want to highlight that. Christian, you are greatly loved. Your dad hears. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So he gives revelation. If you go to Daniel chapter 10, please, verse 2. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. It says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat, no wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. And so on day 24, God showed up. God showed up. Look at what he says in verse 11. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. I had you highlight that before. Because God's saying it again. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Just like he loved Daniel. And he was reminding Daniel, you are greatly loved. Understand, God wants to give understanding. The book of Revelation, it's called Revelation, not Concealation. God wants to reveal because he is truth, he is love. He's not trying to hide things from you. Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for now I've been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself, 
before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Imagine that. Answered prayer. Why? Fasting, humbling, 21 days, seeking God's face. And there's a revelation that comes. Let me give you some practical things for fasting. Obviously, you see here a couple different types of fasts. You see the veggies and water fast, all right? AKA the Daniel fast, where that's all it is. Hey, I'm going to set aside all that stuff and, and I'm just going to do that. Um, some people in here may do just social media. One of my friends just did a 40-day social media fast. Uh, in fact, another pastor that I know just did that for 40 days and then quit social media altogether because it was so good. He didn't realize what he was getting sucked into. I'm not prophesying right now, but I could be. I would just say this, that I've seen God move more in my life personally when it was just water, okay? No legalism. Do what God is calling you to do. I'm just looking over the last 25 years. I just, just want to let you know that when I've just done water, uh, God has kind of moved in, in, in really, really big ways, all right? I don't understand why. Again, listen, and this is the thing. God is sovereign. He's going to do what he pleases. He's going to do what he wants. But there's also times where we see with Moses interceding for the children of Israel, and God stayed his hand. We can't figure it out. If somebody says they've got prayer figured out how to move God, they're lying to you. But there is a part that we have where we can join God with what he is doing. And fasting, to me, allows us to get on God's page. Now, the things that he puts on my heart, he begins to do because he's put them on my heart. They're not my ideas, not my will, but yours be done. And if that's your cry, my God, my heart would be right. We don't know what to pray. Teach us how to pray, right? I'm going to give you four things here. So we went over the reasons why, biblically. Now I'm going to give you application here, all right? And they're going to be really quick, all right? Um, I... I was going to call this like Breaking Bad with fasting or something, you know, the show Breaking Bad. I've never watched it, by the way, but uh, it, I hear bad things. So, so I'm not going to go with that. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to call this thing. Uh, but everything has to do with break. It's like I'm a good Baptist. We got, we got four Bs. Actually, a good Baptist would have three Bs. Anyway, some, are, some Baptists here, I get what I'm saying. All right, the, fir the first B is this, break away, break away, break away. 
You've got to break away. Jesus went out into the wilderness. You've got to break away when you fast. You can't keep doing what you normally do. So if you normally eat with people at the table, at the lunchroom, hey, just break away. Go and be by yourself. Go for a walk. Go do something and break away. The second thing is that ask God to break your thoughts. Break your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it talks about that we need to capture every thought and make it obey Christ. So I'm going to have thoughts that, oh, I am so hungry. Oh, if I could just have a hamburger. Oh, I want one of those blooming onions from the outback. Or whatever it is that you really, really like, right? That's going to begin to bombard you. But when, you, when that bombards you, you have to capture that. And you say, no, Jesus, I'm hungering for you. No, Jesus, I want you. You are the only one that's satisfied. And you begin to capture those thoughts and make them obey Christ. God, you led me into this fast. Will you see it through? My trust and my hope is in you. Help me not to entertain, entertain thoughts on that sushi roll that I want so bad right now. You are the one. You are the one. Okay, so you have to break your thoughts. Break your thoughts. Number three, and I want you to turn here, Matthew chapter four, verse two. Number three is this, break bread, break bread. Break bread. What do you mean, Chris? Well, we'll read what I mean. It says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, speaking of Jesus. And we're in Matthew chapter four, verse three. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus was saying was that I'm looking at the word of God as if it's bread. I'm going to break bread with God. I am going to swap out meal replacement my meal with the Holy Scriptures. And I guarantee you that if you spend 30 minutes in the Word for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you swap out your meal time with Word time, you are going to become full. You are going to become satisfied. God's Word is going to come alive. It happens to me when I do this. But here's what a lot of times happens to me, is that I'm, I get busy. Hey, can you meet with me? Hey, can you talk to me? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? So I'll work right through breakfast. I'll work right through lunch. And then I'm empty. And then I'm not full. I'm not breaking bread with Jesus. So say no. No. Say it again. Yeah, you got to tell people no. I'm breaking bread with Jesus. I can't. I can't. And number four, this is the fourth thing. Break me. I need to be broken, God. Break us. Our church needs to be broken. We need to be broken. Break me, break us. Again, Joel 2, between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, spare your people, O Lord. And make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Some of us 
have family situations where we need God to move. Some of us need a breakthrough. Some of us need to realign our our focus this year. And this is the time where there is a corporate fast, where we come together and we cry out for God to move in our hearts, but also in the hearts of our family here at Bow Down. Break me, break us, God. We need you, Lord. When we purchased our funeral home that we, we bought as a church, we, we didn't have any, any money to fix it up. And so if you were here a few years ago, you remember that we shared with the church, hey, we bought this building, we spent all of our, all of our money buying it, and by, by the way, it's almost done. We pray in Jesus' name that it gets finished, uh, but, but this funeral home is now going to become a, a house of prayer. It's going to be a, from a funeral home to a resurrection house, okay? Where Jesus is going to be glorified in that place, okay? And so, so as, as we purchased it, we didn't have any money to fix it up, and so we called the church to a fast, and we, we all fasted. And one of the things that we laid before the church is, hey, don't tell anybody what we're doing, Don't tell anybody what we're doing. It's our little secret here. Don't ask anybody to help out. It's our little church secret. And also, I don't want anybody to give from our church. Nobody give, which is a weird building campaign, right? It's a weird strategy. What we want to do is we want to say, okay, God, we're going to fast. We want to see you move. And if you remember, after that fast, I showed up that Sunday And nothing happened. And I had to tell the church, well, guys, I thought it was the Lord. I get a call Monday, and the guy says, hey, hey, Chris, I want to meet with you. He goes to another church. He said, I just need to meet with you for five minutes. I'm like, hey, what's this about? He's like, I'll just explain. I meet him. He comes. He gives me an envelope, and he says, hey, I've been, my wife and I have been praying. We were saving up to buy a house. He was a, he's a fireman, by the way. We're saving up to buy a house but, but God put bow down on our heart, and so he, he, here you go. Here's this check. Now, he leaves. I, I thought, you know, I was, I was being cool. You know, I wait till he left to look at the check, you know. Um, I thought it would be $5,000. I opened it up. It was $100,000. Somebody from another church just gave what they were saving up for years as they're renting a home. And I, and, I, and I start crying. What a widow's might offering. What a beautiful aroma to God. And we fasted as a church and God showed up. And he did something that was glorious. That was glorious. Let me just say, we've never asked the church for any money for the building. We, we probably should, by the way. But we've never asked for anything, and God has built that thing without us having to ask for money so that he's glorified. He's glorified, not us. So, Autumn, are you here? Come on up, Autumn. 
We pray against any legalism. It's between you and the Lord. But hopefully the stories that I told about my life, how God has moved individually when I've fasted, how God has showed up, how God has done things. Hopefully we can see, like this isn't an option for the Christian, that you would take part and that you would join. That we would just see God move in a powerful way. The verse that I have up on the screen For me, this is what I want. I want God to revive me. I want God to realign my heart with His. I want to seek Him because He is worthy. I want to seek Him with with my whole heart so that I find Him. I want to know Him more. I want to know more of His presence. I want to be convinced of His love. I I want to have a greater awareness of the fact that He is Emmanuel, that He is with me, never to leave me or forsake me. I want to be overwhelmed with the love of Jesus. I want to be passionate about Him so that He's on my lips. his name to be lifted up in this church in my life that we would see a revival and so Jesus we just bow down before you and we ask God that that you would just move in a powerful way that each person would decide in their own heart God what you're calling them to do wouldn't be any comparisons there wouldn't be any guilt there wouldn't be any condemnation we pray against that there's no condemnation for those in christ we pray god that out of as obedient hearts that our love and our motive would be pure it's because we want you jesus we want you jesus help us to worship you now as we sing as we kiss towards you, our King. We love you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.